from Escape Student Loan Debt. It's the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast, a show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving homeownership. Tax filings, family planning, insurance needs, purchasing your home, business funding, they're all impacted by your student loans. Learn from a best-in-class 14-year financial pro who has helped professionals get eight figures of student loan debt forgiven, reduced, reorganized, or expedited. I'm Brenton Harrison, and this is the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Welcome to the second episode of the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. My name is Brenton Harrison. I am the founder of Escape Student Loan Debt and your host. And even though this is episode two, it's really the first episode where we get into the meat and potatoes of student loans. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to cover first, I thought it would be wise to go into the history of student loans in the first place. So I could tell you a little bit about how we got here. I am a big believer in that if you know from whence you came, it can be instructive as to where you're going. And I'll tell you, I can explain the history of the student loan crisis in two minutes, but I want to sprinkle in a couple key dates along the way. So you have the full context as to why we're here, why we're in this cluster, you know what, in the first place. But here's the two minute version. Essentially what happened in terms of the history of the student loan crisis is at its infancy, student loans were issued as direct loans directly from the government to either a school or a student. They did that for a little while. The government realized it was costing a whole lot more money than they expected, and they wanted to find a way to hide just how much money was being spent. They found a way to hide it through the help of some private companies, and the biggest private company that we all came to know and hate was Sally Mae. They used Sally Mae for a number of years to hide exactly how much they were spending until they reached a point in time where they couldn't hide it anymore. And when they couldn't hide it anymore, it made no sense to keep Sally Mae around in the first place. And it definitely didn't make sense to keep paying Sally Mae. So they tried to kick them to the curb. But Sally Mae did not go away easily. And that arms race between the government and Sally Mae went on for years and years and years, all at the benefit of universities and at the expense of you as the student loan borrower. That's the two minute version. But now I want to get into the details by sprinkling in some key dates that will give you some more context. And we're going to cover this in two parts. And by the end of this, you'll be really frustrated, but you'll also have an idea or an indication of what's to come as it relates to student loan legislation. You're listening to the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Subscribe now at EscapeStudentLoanDebt.com. Welcome back. The first year we're going to cover in the history of student loans is 1944. 1944 was a huge year in the history of student loans because it's the year that the GI Bill was introduced. The GI Bill was initially intended to give education assistance to returning military veterans, most of them returning from service in World War II. Not a great law in terms of how these funds were dispersed, and it has a really complex history. You have black and brown military veterans who weren't able to use the GI Bill because they got the money directly from the government to go to school, but then they would try to sign up at that school and they would be denied enrollment because they were black. You had female military veterans who might have served domestically and they couldn't use the GI Bill because they found out that their unit was marked as civilian duty and civilian duty units were ineligible for the GI Bill. So complicated history, but 
in the grand scheme, the government gives money directly from the government to the military veteran. This is what's called a direct loan. The second instance of a direct loan comes in 1958. In 1958, you see the creation of the National Defense Student Loan Program. And through this program, they started issuing student loans that would later be known as Perkins loans. If you have a Perkins loan or had a Perkins loan or just have heard that term, those all came from the National Defense Student Loan Program in 1958. Now, the way this program worked was it was another direct loan. The government would give money to a college. The college would give money to the student, but this was still considered a direct loan. Now, after having done this, this second version of a direct loan, the government runs into a huge problem. The first problem is they realize that the need for these Perkins loan was greatly outpacing the actual funding that they had set aside for the program. So they're looking and realizing it's going to cost us a whole lot more to keep giving these loans if we're going to fund the true cost based on the true need of these potential students. But the second reason and the biggest in terms of the history of student loans is how direct loans were reported to the government. You have to keep this in mind. The government, every single period, wants to pass a balanced budget. So they don't like seeing a situation where there's a whole lot of money going out in terms of expenses, but not the revenue coming back to the government. It makes it harder to balance the budget. For some reason, at that time, government reporting rules said that a direct loan had to be listed as a total loss in the year that it was issued. It makes no sense at all, because if you think about it, yes, they're sending the loan out to a student, but eventually that student's going to pay the loan back and they're going to pay it back at interest. So it should work out that the government will make a profit off of that loan. But again, doesn't have to make sense when it's the government. The government had the reporting requirement that said you have to list it as a total loss in the year that the loan is issued. So if you're the government, you're looking at two problems. The first problem is that you have to report this as a loss, which makes it harder to balance the budget. The second problem is you have to make way more of these loans if you're going to fund the cost of education in the first place. So they have to find a way to obscure this information. And one of the first little slivers of hope that they see comes in 1960 with the creation of the United Student Aid Fund. The United Student Aid Fund was this collection of basically rich people who came and wanted to incentivize these private banks to give loans to these students so that the government wouldn't have to give loans to the students. And the way that they did it would be that the student would take out the loan from the bank. If by chance the student defaulted on that loan, the bank could go to the United Student Aid Fund and get 100% of their losses reimbursed. So it takes away that risk for the bank to free them up to go make more student loans. And the government is looking and saying, if we can find a way to partner with this United Student Aid Fund, it can take some of the responsibility of funding the debt crisis off of our back. And after the break, we'll show you how they partner together and how they use this partnership to start the process of concealing exactly how much it costs to fund education. This is the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. A show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving home ownership. We'll be right back. Are you wondering if our Escape Student Loan Debt online course is right for you? If so, we've got great news. We've crafted a short assessment that will reveal the answer to this question in less than five minutes. 
please head to escapestudentloandebt.com slash podcast to complete it today. Again, that's escapestudentloandebt.com slash podcast to take the assessment. You're listening to the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast. Subscribe now at escapestudentloandebt.com. Welcome back. Before the break, we covered how in its infancy, the government issued direct loans until they realized that those loans had to be listed as a total loss in the year that it was dispersed, making it harder to balance the budget. We then covered how in 1960, with the creation of the United Student Aid Fund, banks started offering private student loans to students that were guaranteed by that USA fund. In 1965, we see the passage of the Higher Education Act, and through that act, the creation of the Guaranteed Student Loan Program. And the loans from this program would later be known as Stafford and FFEL loans. And the way that this would work would be that a student would take out a loan from a private bank. And if that student defaulted on that loan, that private bank would go to the United Student Aid Fund and they would get 100% of their losses reimbursed by the United Student Aid Fund. But then the United Student Aid Fund would go to the government and they would get 80% of the money that they spent reimbursed by the federal government. What you now see here is the first public-private partnership and the creation of what's called a federally-backed student loan that's issued by a private bank. This is a huge deal because the government has found a way to tap dance around the reporting requirement that they ran into with direct loans. Because while direct loans have to be listed as a loss in that year, a federally-backed student loan doesn't have to be listed at all. It doesn't even have to be disclosed unless that student defaults on the loan and the government has to pony up with the guarantee. So by offering these federally backed student loans through private banks, not only is the government not having to list anything as a loss, but they're also not having to disclose just how much money they have out in the marketplace as a student loan that they could potentially have to guarantee. So this newfound relationship works beautifully for both entities. You have private banks who are able to make a profit on these loans that they're giving to students and the student will either pay them back and they'll make their profit or they don't pay them back and they can still go get that profit they intended to make from the United Student Aid Fund. The government can make sure that they don't have to disclose how much money is being spent on debt education in the first place. And this relationship will continue and get even more ridiculous throughout the years until the creation of our best friend, Sally May in the year 1972. And that is going to be where we pick up in the next episode. See you then. From Escape Student Loan Debt, this was the Escape Student Loan Debt Podcast, a show for established professionals whose student loan payments or loan balances are impacting their marriage, their business, their credit, or their dream of achieving homeownership.